Hi, welcome to the Kingdom Business Podcast, a show where we talk about using business to advance the kingdom of God. Well, g'day there, podcast listeners. Hey, listen, firstly, I just wanted to appreciate you and say thank you for taking the time and listening to the content that we're putting out all the time. It means the world to me that you would give up you know, time to listen to what we have to say. So I want to appreciate that. And in return, uh, this is a little bit of extra content that we're recording just for you, just for our podcast listeners. Um, typically, you guys get Kingdom Business TV and you get an audio recording of something that was produced for video. And uh, I'm well aware of that. And so basically, I just wanted to shoot this little bit of a podcast and audio just for you. This isn't available anywhere else. Um, and we're going to do more of this, more that's specifically just podcast for you. You'll get a mix of uh, interviews uh, as podcasts. You'll also get the traditional Kingdom Business TV show. Um, but uh, just giving you the heads up, that's a little bit about where we are going. Today, I'm doing this. Uh, well, it's not really an interview. I'm just doing a chat with Craig. And I'm doing it because we've just purchased a whole bunch of new equipment to build out a podcasting studio in our boardroom. So three big mics, three stands, mixer, all of that sort of stuff, because I want to do a lot more of this interview style. I want to get legends uh, in the faith and interview them and make them available to you guys. So this is just us I guess, ultimately doing a bit of a test uh, on our equipment, but using it as an opportunity to bring you some value and appreciate you for giving up your time to listen to what we have to say. By the way, if you like it, then I'd love it if you could give us a review. If you could go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and give us a review, that would be super cool. That helps us um, be promoted, and it means more people find us, which means I can achieve my ultimate aim of spreading this message so I'm actually interviewing Craig today. Craig, you may have come across. He's obviously part of our firm. He's been in our world for a couple of years, um, but at the moment he's full time in the company. And um, I want to say at the moment I keep him on a short leash <laughs> because, well, you know, you don't want to let anybody get too uh, too much of a big head. So, um, <laughs> so no, Craig's here, and um, and I just thought this would be a good opportunity for you to um, get get to know a little bit more about Craig, but also. I want to unpack um, some of the things that he's got inside his head and uh, and bring those as value to you. You may or may not know that Craig actually has a master's in leadership, uh, and that's a fit. he's been studying for a long time, but he's just completed it. And um, praise God, he passed, um, or better than passed actually. And uh, and so I just want to talk to him about leadership and, and and what does that mean for you know small to medium business and how do we practically understand it and so forth. So I'm going to throw him a bunch of questions, but we're just basically having more of a fireside chat on uh, on on this topic of leadership. So Craig, why don't you introduce yourself to our world for those that don't know you? Hey guys, uh, Craig here. So been a business coach for the last seven to eight years, uh, been pretty close with, or di- close but distant with Wes for a, a large number of that uh, those years. Um, over that time, I've, I've, been, I've had the privilege of, you know, specializing in, in a lot of key areas, you know, based around communication. I've had the pleasure of planning a, a local church campus and, um, <clears throat> and then, uh, got called back to the marketplace or prayed back into the marketplace by Wes and his wife, Kimberly. Um, and uh, I, over the over that time, I've been able to develop a lot of skills. And one of those skills that I felt that was really crucial was 
I wanted to develop my uh, my leadership ability because uh, you know we were all called to lead other people, and I felt that it was a you know you can do MBAs and you can do a lot of marketing degrees, and there's a lot of things that you can study that you're actually probably better off just learning it in 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 the practical world. But I felt that leadership was one of those transferable skills that was there was something that was a part of everything that we do um, to make ourselves more successful, whether it even just be leading ourselves to 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 lose weight or leading a large organization. And so I wanted to, although I'd always found myself naturally in leadership positions, I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right. And uh, so over the last three years, it's taken me three years to complete the masters and uh, been able to see how everything that I was learning was applying to absolutely everything that we were doing um, from day to day. And so now actually seeing the execution of that and seeing the culmination of, of those studies as well as like years of experience in leadership positions, now helping you know, corporates you know, with their leadership team, uh, teams to be able to become better leaders, but also business owners. Like my, uh, so many of my coaching calls with our with our clients that are sole traders, that are like men in a van type businesses. You know, the strategies are just as important for them as well. So you study leadership for you. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's pretty amazing, actually. You went out of your way to go. Well, I need it. Um, and so it'll be a skill that lasts a long time. Yeah, and, I wanted, now, and now it's transferable to other people. Yeah, I wanted to hold myself accountable. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So um, Johnny Maxwell's definition of leadership is, um, you might be able to help me out here. Uh, Simon Sinek's is that every company moves at the speed of trust, or well, that's maybe not his um, leadership, but it's it'll be along those lines. Uh, do you know what John Maxwell is? Zig, Zig Ziglar. I remember Zig Ziglar's is if you help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yeah. Um, John C. Maxwell, um, <laughs> I know his, I know his when he, whenever he's asked, what's the one thing you need to learn from leadership? And his answer is always, there's not one, there's 21. And that's why he has the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. He and it, he? yeah, he absolutely loves it. Um, well, do you know, can you, you, you would remember ours when we teach leadership, I've got one slide on leadership that we teach our clients and my definition of leadership is everything is your fault. <laughs> I love that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's not just the negative. No. That means that the good things that happen exactly. and the bad things that happen are your fault. Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, th there's a lot of stuff taught on leadership that I think is fluff. Yep. Um, most of it actually, mm -hmm. um, whereas I think, you know, leadership should sort of cut through and, uh, and hold us to a higher standard. And well, I don't think we want to get caught in the, the politically correct level where everyone's a leader, yeah. you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, in a way that's true, mm -hmm. especially when you chose Christianity, you chose leadership by default. Yeah, that's true. But, but I also like to hold ourselves at a high standard and kind of go, you know, we've, we've got to play a bigger game. Yeah. Why don't you give us yours? What What do you think? Uh, you know, it may not be a short sentence, but what's leadership to you? Yeah, so actually I'm going to play on something that you just said there about, you know, everything is your fault. And uh, there's an incredible book called Extreme Ownership that was written by a couple of Navy SEALs. And they talk about their version of leadership is the fact that you need to take absolute ownership and as as a, as a navy seal that's what they like they're in the battle zone and everything is their fault 
and uh, they have to ca- take complete ownership. Even when it seems like it's someone else's fault, we need to find how it is our responsibility. So I absolutely love your viewpoint and, and your interpretation of leadership. And um, I, I completely agree. I, I feel that leadership in and of itself can be a little bit of a fluffy topic and a little bit hard to de- hard to um, define. And I remember you and I having a conversation probably about a year or two ago where you sort of challenged me and said, what is leadership? Leadership is kind of nothing, isn't it? And you were like, you're almost like downplaying it because it does seem to be this topic that is, I don't know, there's too many people talking about it, but no one actually really knows what it is. And for me, what I found, what I, what I find with leadership is it all comes down to purpose. And, and, and for me, because obviously purpose is, is a thrown around topic in, in everything that we do, but, um, but I believe when it comes to leadership, it's, it's this nice balance between three different purposes. My purpose as a leader, obviously intentionally as a leader, my purpose is to grow my business, to, to an achieve an outcome or whatever. And, and I need to know what my purpose is, what my calling is. I need to know who I am to be able to lead effectively, um, to lead with complete security. And yeah, because insecurity is, a, is one thing that's majorly detrimental to leadership. I also need to know the purpose of the task because if there's no purpose of the the task or the project, if I don't know what or why I'm doing what I'm doing, we can tend to find ourselves in that hamster wheel and not actually driving towards an outcome. And I believe what, what I see a lot is a lot of leaders tend to stop there. I know what my purpose is. I know the purpose of this project and they just drive towards that. But until we can combine the purpose of the follower or our staff member or whoever it is that we're leading, or, you know, we, we, in leadership terminology, we call it the follower. For me, if we don't include their purpose in what we're doing and combine that in who we are, who they are, and then, then like align it with the task that we're doing, we can't enroll them into the, into the pro into the process, and so as a leader, we have to achieve an outcome because if we're not achieving an outcome, we're just having a chat, um, and we can't just be driving towards an outcome because we burn people along the way, and we start and we find we use people, and so I believe that leadership is this beautiful you know combination and like this symbiotic relationship between my purpose as a leader, the purpose of the task and the purpose of the follower. Love it. So three purposes, my purpose, the purpose of the task, the purpose of the follower. What would you say? I reckon most business people have the first two purposes down pat. I know yep. what I, I know what I'm doing yep. and I know what the task is. Yeah. The one they're going to struggle with most probably is how do I enroll the follower? What's yep. their purpose? <clears throat> What's in it for them? Yeah. Can you speak into that? What are some things, tips, thoughts that somebody could have to make sure that they're bringing other people along. Otherwise, you know, you just remain as a lone wolf and that's very hard to build a business. So let's say somebody's got the, I know my purpose, I know that I know the task I'm doing, but how do I bring people with me? Yeah, I think that's the hardest part because like you say, it is easy to identify what my call is, especially, especially us as Christians, we're, we're a little bit more purposeful with identifying our calling and, and hearing from God and understanding why we're doing, you know, building the business that we're building. But one of the key things is we need to be looking at Jesus and looking at what his leadership model was. 
And I know this is thrown around, but he came to serve. His leadership style was not, this is what I'm doing and you're following. He came to serve people. He came to heal people. He came to help people. And when we can take that absolute servant heart into leadership and understand that me as a leader, if you're my follower, my purpose is to help you achieve your purpose, is to help raise you up, is, is to help you succeed. You know, like, like we talk about, you know, when, when, when actually you're ta- teaching, ta- when you're teaching, um, you know, our team uh, section and, and scaling with our, with our program, you talk about the fact that we've got to set up our team to succeed. We can't set them up to fail. And we can only do that by having a servant heart towards them and knowing who they are. If I don't know you personally, I can't lead you effectively. If I don't know you intimately, I can't, I can't lead you. And so I would say the number one key as a leader is getting to know our followers or our staff and our team, getting to know them personally. And I don't mean we need to be best friends and it, it, I'm not talking about that, but we need to know who they are and what makes them up, what drives them personally. And then we can, then we can align, then we can communicate, then we can drive through that for the end task. So uh, obviously, as you build a big business, you can't know everybody. Mm-hmm. So then it's about instilling that as a culture in the organization <clears throat> yep. so that you intimately know the six people you report to as your heads of department. And then they go downstream and have the same culture with their senior management. And they go downstream with their whatever all the way to the bottom. Um, And then that filters up to you if there's any problems, concerns, or or things to celebrate. So I can, Jesus did effectively the same thing. Right? He had John, then he had his three, then he had his 12, and then he had the masses, and he went on from there. And the same culture that he distilled during his three years, not traveling more than 30 miles radius, yep. is still operating today. Yes. It's what we're talking about here. Yeah, 2,000 years later, yeah. there's five and a half billion people that yeah. have been influenced by this one guy that ran his business for three years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so so that's, you know, that I like to get that perspective of how does that look in a business? Yeah. Because I think that's that's super important. Um, I was going to ask you about Jesus' leadership style because um, obviously I, I assume being a believer, you would have studied it. <laughs> Um, any other little things that you could see that Jesus did that would be applicable, uh, transferable to us? Yeah, so there's this um, concept. Now, it's not my concept. Um, I don't even know whose concept it is because it was told to me so just by- just claim it. Just claim it right now. <laughs> it was told to me by a mentor It was 2 o'clock of mine. in the morning was- and the Lord woke me up and- uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was this great revelation. Um, An angel of the Lord visited me. <laughs> so there's this concept called the three C's. Um, the three C's, and and it comes down to how we communicate as a leader and identifying it. It really helps us categorize who's who our followers are. And if you look at Jesus, if you look through the Bible, obviously you said he 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 did he never traveled more than thirty mile radius, but he was constantly traveling within that thirty mile ra- radius. And you look in the Bible, and it says, "Then Jesus went to the next town." The next statement almost every time was and the crowd followed him. So wherever Jesus went, he spoke to a crowd, you know, like the 20-odd thousand that were, you know, with the loaves and fishes and the four to 5,000 that were after, you know, there was a crowd that followed him. And how he communicated to those people was different how he communicated to other people. He spoke parables. He told stories. 
he more spoke inspirationally to the general masses. And so we need to understand that as a leader, that there are some people in our world that are just part of the crowd. They're kind of not bought in. They're interested in what, like, they're like, I'm keen on what what this person has to say. And and I I refer this back to like a social media setting is, is you'll have followers on social media and they're the people that are like, oh, I'll check this guy out and, and, and I'm kind of interested in what they do. So to the crowd, we just tell stories. We inspire generally. Then when you come down the model, after Jesus told the stories, he turned to his disciples. Now, a lot of people think that that's the 12, but it's actually not. There was, theologians argue that there was like four to 500 like disciples that were actually following Jesus around. And that's the next C, which is, your community. So those people followed Jesus around from town to town. They were the people that Jesus, after he told stories generally to people, he then taught the community. He turned around and said, this is why I just spoke about what I just spoke about. This is this is the behind the scenes stuff. And so we need to understand that there's some people in our, in our, in our, uh, in our world that are just part of the crowd. Some that are part of the community and we need to communicate to them differently. We can't try to teach the crowd because they're not interested. We don't quite have that relationship with them. They're just a voyeur and they just want to hear the stories to, to be able to see if they like it. Once they're our community, then we can teach them. And on social media, I would say our community are the people that are regularly commenting on, on our posts and, and liking our stuff. And they're the people that we can, we can engage with a little bit more and reply to their comments and, and, and respond a little bit and teach a little bit more. Then, as I mentioned, you've got that other s- section of the disciples, which was the 12, the apostles. And, and Jesus did differently with those than the community. They were the people who he ate with, slept with. You know, he did life with these guys. And you'll notice if you look at how he spoke to them as opposed to the community, he reprimanded them. You know, he pulled them up. Why did he do that compared to the community? Because he had better relationship with them. You couldn't turn around to someone with your community and pull them up on, reprimand them on something because you don't have that relationship. You don't have that connection. So there's that that core group, and for Jesus it was it was twelve. I say we do, we can't have more than more than what God incarnate had. Um, so we got our core, like you mentioned, like possibly six to ten people that that we have are doing life with and able to pull up. Hey, look, you know, you need to pull your head in on that. Like obviously doing it with love, and so those are the three C's that I would say are core to understanding how Jesus actually communicated to people as a leader that we need to identify where does this person fall into the category of like, and I'm not just saying, well, if they're not an employee that like, if they're an employee, they're automatically in our community, not necessarily. Some of our employees just have the attitude that they just want to turn up and go home Mm -hmm. and that's okay. But we just need to recognize where they're at so that we can communicate to them differently so that we can have the greatest impact. Because if I'm trying to reprimand someone that's in the crowd, we're going to lose them straight away. But if I'm just telling them stories, eventually, hopefully, they'll become part of the community. Once I teach them more, then they'll open up more to reprimand 
and then I have the authority to reprimand them. So you think we can bring people in on those concentric circles? We can bring them from, you know, lurkers to community to inner sanctum? Yeah, I, I don't believe we can bring everyone because yeah. it's obviously their choice um, and we can't force people in. I mean, I But a better leader may attract them to come closer. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think if we're more intentional and I'm going back to understanding their purpose, when we understand them individually, we can understand what makes them tick and then communicate to them directly about that mm. and pull them in. However, that, that once again, that's the issue is that's not scalable. You know, we, we, with the crowd, we can't know them all one by one, but that's where we come back to that model that you're talking about is like we invest in our 10. Mm -hmm. They then invest in their 10. Like, so here's the thing, right? So Jesus had 12 disciples. When he rose up to heaven, there was roughly four to 500 disciples hanging around. But how many were left in the upper room? 120. Like when, when the Holy Spirit came, only 120 were left. And so when I look at that, the economies of scale, well, if Jesus had 12 people that he invested in, then all what were left were 120. They must have been those, those people's, the apostles, 10. I know it's not, it's not exactly like that, but, but it just shows that, well, if we want to have an effect on 120, we need to impact the 10 and make sure that they're impacting the others. How do we do that? It's just like you know, the, the analogy of a cup overflowing, right? If the people that are following us, the people that we're leading aren't being filled and they're not overflowing, they can't pour out on someone else. It's our responsibility to overfill those 10 people so that they are then overflowing on organically. Like, it, it, when, it, I mean, here's the thing. When you are so full of knowledge, so full of love, so full of support, you can't help but love, support, teach, and share with other people. And so that's when we look at those, that model of 10 and, and just invest in our 10, so then they can invest in our 10. I think that takes the pressure off the leader having to lead the 120. Mm -hmm. Just lead your 10. However, there's going to be a, a bonus C because we like, we like bonuses. There's, there's a bonus C with those three Cs. I said there was three. There's actually a fourth C. And this is actually goes more to not how we communicate as a leader, but how we survive as a leader. And it, the last C is the couple. There was... There was the apostles, the 12, but there was, you mentioned before, the three, Peter, James, and John, that went with Jesus everywhere. They were the ones that saw Jesus cry. They were the ones that, that were there at Jesus' most vulnerable stage. We as a and leader- rested on his chest. Rested, yeah, we, we as a leader need, need to make sure we have those couple that we let in to our complete vulnerability because we can't be vulnerable. Like, yes, we have to be authentic. Everyone's like vulnerability, vulnerability. Yeah, but you can't share everything with everyone. And even with those 10 that you're investing in, you, you do need to keep a little bit of distance. You can't open up to all of them, but you need to open up to someone mm. because you, you see this and, and I, I, like we see this in leadership, but it's very, very obvious in churches, you know, that pastors have moral failings or they have burnout or whatever, it's because they are under so much pressure to lead and we as, we as the, the church put them up on such a pedestal that they, that they are afraid to communicate to anyone yeah. that, they're, that they're struggling. Yeah.
That's right. And so we as a leader need to have that couple that we trust in, that we invest in. And for me, those couple are the ones that you see will actually be the ones that have the major, major, major impact. Peter was the one that pro- that preached on on the day of Pentecost, and and John wrote the books. Yeah, like like it, it's you actually see the real impact from those couple because they understand the journey. Yeah, yeah, and you remember at the summits this year through March, there was a core team of six mm-hmm. that went around the country. There was you and your wife Noelia. There was Michael and Amy and me and Kimberly, and there was this tight group that would yep. debrief at midnight. Mm-hmm. and party at the end of an event in a room, <laughs> ordering in Uber Eats and stuff like that. And, and and an environment where somebody can say, I'm fully struggling, or this is great, or I need time out, or pray for me. And it's very powerful yeah. to have those groups. Now, there were things shared in that room by all of us that we probably wouldn't want to say to the greater yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I recommend everybody should have that those those few people yeah. that, that you can say, I'm nearing burnout or I'm struggling. And also celebrate the wins yep. when things go incredibly well. You know, like in, we, we would debrief at the end of a summit in a hotel room when we we're all tired, but there was a lot of high-fiving yep. as well about all the, you know, the, the lives that were touched and things mm-hmm. like that. So that was that was encouraging. Um, right, so somebody's, somebody's listening to this right now. They're mowing the lawn, going for a run on the treadmill, driving a car, and they run a lawn mowing business or an accounting practice, you know, or um, a little e-com store. What are a couple of quick things that somebody could do to become a better leader? Just just small little super practical things. Um, I would say the first thing is get to know yourself. Spend the time, invest in yourself to like, I mean, self-awareness is like the latest buzzword, but it's a buzzword for a reason. Um, we need to know who we are. Some practical things of that is like the disc assessment. But that's that's a free free thing. You can find a disc assessment online anywhere, and you can do that. And it's it's a bit of a general way of getting to know who you are, so that you can operate within your like within who you are within your right personality, rather than trying to, you know, the old saying of stay in your lane. How do you know what your lane is if you don't know who you are? So one one big thing is first of all getting to know who you are. Disc is one of those. Another strategy that I use with all my one-on-one clients and I've used this strategy for years is the Clifton Strengths Finder Assessment and it's done by Gallup. Now, it's a $19 investment to do it, but it is one of the greatest tools to be able to help identify who I am and then stick within my strengths. Because once you know who you are, I mean, look, I believe one of the biggest failings of leadership is insecurity. And people are only insecure because they don't know who they are. So no matter what level of leadership you are, is first of all, get to know who you are. Get to know yourself personally, self-awareness, and then you'll be able to start making wiser decisions. You'll get to um, be making more strategic decisions because you know who you are, so you're making a decision that is right for you and your personality or your strengths and your giftings. Um, <clears throat> And then another thing of, of that is a, uh, is a gifts assessment. There's a spiritual gifts assessment that, uh, that a lot of churches use. And uh, you can Google, Google it. It's usually free available somewhere. And it just allows you to identify what, what gifts are actually operating in your life at the moment. And how can you double down on those? 
And when we start, because, you know, that, that, um, John C. Maxwell has this saying of um, if you're leading and no one's following, you're just going for a walk. And the greatest way for us to attract people, because that's what we need to do as a leader, we need to be, we inherently should be attracting people. People are attracted to people with confidence. People are attracted to people who know who they are. And like people think that they're only attracted to the charismatic types and the, the ones that are up on stage. No, they're attracted to people who are confident in knowing who they are because most people are trying, that's a lack in most people's life. So they're seeing that person knows who they are. That's kind of something of what I want. So um, I would say that the first stage of leadership is identifying who you are, getting to know who you are, self-awareness, first of all, and then start operating within that strength. Because <clears throat> if you don't know who you are, how would you know what to dig out of somebody else? Exactly. Which yeah. would line up with the task mm -hmm. um, to achieve the outcome. Yeah. Coming back to where we started. Love it. Uh, I just had a quick Google while we we're looking and I can't vouch for it because I haven't used it, but there's one called, if you go to giftstest.com, gifts, so plural, giftstest.com, there's a survey there where you can take it and find out which of the heavenly gifts uh, you operate best in, which is pretty cool. Um, Craig, that's super cool. And I reckon we talk more about leadership in the future because I think it's a good area and it's practical. Um, why don't we wrap this up by you praying for our listeners as they go about their daily business life? I would love that. Uh, thank you, Lord. Hey, uh, we, we, just, uh, we just thank you for this uh, knowledge and experience you've been able to give us so that we can impart it onto others. And Lord, we just declare over each and every person that is listening right now that you start stirring up something inside them, that you start releasing fresh visions into their minds, into their mind's eyes so that they can see what you have actually created them for, so they can identify their gifts. As they go through the practical steps, Lord, reveal to them why. Show them the purpose of their life. And Lord, we just declare that there be a special leadership anointing over each and one of, every one of these listeners that they will start attracting people and leading people with honor, respect, and love and the amazing servant heart that you taught us. Thank you. Amen. That's super cool. Well, guys, uh, we will get more of these shows to you. Um, if you get a spare three seconds, I'd love you to throw your thoughts down in the comments box and we will get busy finding more people that we can interview to bring you godly wisdom. Love you. See you soon.